Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Jim. And I'm John. And on this episode, uh, we're getting the most topical that we possibly can. Uh, because, by God, everyone has heard about it. And now we get to weigh in. The balance data slate. The rules update for 40k, John. We must Ooh. discuss it. Ooh. Ooh, we've got opinions. They're not the normal ones. <laughs> it's good for the algorithm. <laughs> yes, you must appease the algorithm, Jill. Yes, I, otherwise uh, we will suffer in the dredges of the prison dungeon of the castle of YouTube. Are we not already? I thought. Uh, true. We make Facts. the zero money. <laughs> like we're all, we are in the dungeon. Hundred percent. Like we are, <laughs> we're like those dudes from the John Wick movies that are like crawling around in the sewers with the pigeons. Was it uh, uh, the people who work for the Bowery King? Yeah, we're like the Bowery King, except for like no, we are not like the him. Bowery King. We are the homeless men underneath the Bowery King. Correct. Who's our Bowery King? Uh, I don't know who the new CEO of YouTube is, but probably them. I don't know either. I don't know. When I get a paycheck, I'll learn their name. <laughs> but <laughs> to appease this algorithm that we make no money for, we wanted to talk about the 40K balance data slate because, by God, there's a lot of talk about it. And uh, we're probably not going to talk about the stuff that uh, you expect us to. Um, you know, like there's a lot of right now content about competitive lists and how win rates might change and how lists might change and most optimal choices, winners, losers, top 10 best units after the data slate, like, and all of them like, <laughs> at 15 minutes and 20 seconds long. Exactly. Funny how that works. And I just, I, I'm not going to give you that. But instead, as we were getting ready for the show, what we really decided we should talk about is what the hell do we think should be in a balanced data slate? Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone's discussing it, especially not from a casual perspective. So we thought, why not us? But first, hobby time and games played. John, what have you been up to? Uh, a lot, actually. Um, played two games uh, at our weekend thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of which was teaching someone. That was great. Uh, they were playing Tau. I was playing Guard. It was really just kind of like not a space fantasy game, like at all. We both avoided combat, uh. except for when a ghost keel uh punted a single guardsman uh, into the stratosphere with tank shock, uh, which was glorious. That poor guy. Uh, otherwise, I then played another game against Black Templars with Guard, and that was pretty good. And mm -hmm. we then I also helped teach a bunch uh, for new folks that were learning 10th edition. And other than that, that's all my games. But painting wise, I've gotten a lot painted. Mm -hmm. A significant amount painted. Uh, I've been working on Slaves of Darkness because AOS is coming back around. So I've been just painting Chaos Warriors, Chaos Chosen, Chaos Sorcerers, Kit Bashed. 
things, cast lords on Cracker Jacks or whatever you want to call them, and starting another project because I'm a, I'm a weird person who can't sit still. You do love yourself uh, despite, a good project. Yeah. Despite the fact that I'm also going to be working on Conquest over the next couple weeks, I also am going to start a Flesh Eater Quartz Army because, again, I don't know how to sit still. I don't that's, know. That's I, I don't it. know the answer either. So don't look at me. Like normally, this is where I'd fill in some helpful things advice, but I got nothing. In my defense, I have almost all my entire two thousand point list for Slaves of Darkness painted for our next like Age of Sigmar day. <laughs> it's already almost done months ahead of time. So that helps. That's a yeah. sensible response mm-hmm. from a very unsensible man, generally. Yeah, it's okay. I'm going to mirror some of that soon. But Flesh Eater Quartz are cool. They paint up super fast, or at least they can. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, if you want to make something take a long time and, like, paint it up super, 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 super hard, you could put time into it. But I think generally Flesh Eater Quartz lend themselves to kind of like a, a quick, zenithal, dramatic dry brush scheme. Yeah, and they're also just, like, batshit insane. I love the lore for Flesh Eater Quartz. Yeah. I've actually wanted to play them for years because um, I, I really like all of the death factions, and my problem wasn't, like... Do I want to play one? It was which one do I want to play? Because I like all of them. Um, but I think Flesh Eater Quartz is the easiest one to just have. I mean, it's World Eaters, but with like a spooky lo-fi in the background. Yeah. And then eventually I'll talk myself into getting every other death faction, because that's just the kind of person I am. I mean, once you have Flesh Eater Quartz, Soul Blight Grave Lords is one sidestep away. Yeah. And then from there, like, uh, Night Haunt is just a small jaunt through the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, like, I also love Imperial Guard. And what is, you know, OBR, but Guard, but for Death Faction? Yeah. It's for people who play way too much Total War. The historical ones, not just the Warhammer ones. And also like you. heavy music. How dare you? I'm just calls them as I sees them, John. If it hurts you. I don't know what to tell you. Make your six-up Deathless Minion safe. I'm going to paint OBR to Knocked Loose forever. I mean, you're probably going to be a little sad, but like, do what you like, I guess. Arf, arf. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> uh, I similarly had our get-together. Um, I had three games. Uh, I had my first game against a sister. Well, I played Orcs all weekend. Uh, I didn't do any changes or list tweaks. Um, I played into Sisters of Battle, my first match. Uh, that was a hell of a time. Uh, the Sisters of Battle had a devastating turn one and killed my kill rig and a number of orcs and sent our favorite giant pig running off the field. Um, and then we decided that that cannot stand and then suplex the entire army of Sisters of Battle on the following turn. It was... Wowie zowie. <laughs> wow, wow, wee, wow. Yeah, them tanks were very good at their opening shot, but they could not take the the clap back. Uh, and that was a, a fun, like, smashy orc game. Some Nundums got in the mix. Orc boys got chopped up. It was a hell of a back and forth fight. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, second match, I played against Tau. Yeah, Tau. Um, same person who learned from you. I gave them their second match. Uh, and... I ended up getting into their face pretty early, um, but they're newer, so like there were some movement mistakes and stuff, but really afterwards felt nice because there was a lot of discussion. 
of like, what happened? And then, you know, we had a little back and forth of like, well, here are the things I saw. Like, oh, well, I could like fix that. Yeah, sure can. Yeah. Uh, so 100%. good learner game. Uh, and then third game was Orcs versus Chaos Knights, which was a very shockingly cerebral game uh, back and forth. A whole lot of zoning out, deep striking, and thinking about uh, some key sequencing, baiting out stratagems, positioning, movements, a lot of hard objective play. Uh, and around all of those cerebral things, we were beating the piss out of each other. Uh, but all of that was really just there to sustain all of the smart stuff happening, which was wild. Um, uh, I ended up taking that one, but it was, it could have gone the other way had a couple of things changed. But it was very cool. Like, I haven't got to fight a full knight army yet, and uh, it was, you know, a full chaos knight force with some demons for uh, objectives and utility and stuff like that. Uh, but orcs, they were ready for it, which is cool. I honestly didn't know how that would go. Um, good weekend. Uh, I also played Conquest for the first time. Uh, someone put on a, a offered to put on a demo game on my local shop, and <sighs> I'm not talking about Conquest of the show yet. I want yep. to. I really want to. I got some thoughts. Uh, got some opinions. They're early opinions, but I had a lot of fun. Uh, that's sort of the, the big takeaway is. Uh, Conquest, like, it, it moved much quicker than I expected. The deployment is very unique. I haven't seen a war game do deployment the way they do, staggering out, like, light units and medium units and then heavy units. Feels, uh, like, pseudo-historical, in a sense, which is cool. for Especially for a game that has, like, high, a lot of high fantasy elements. Like, that's a really cool way to, like, merge the fantasy with some historical touch points and, like, make it all feel more homogenous. And sort of ground it in a concept that's more easily understood. Yeah. Also makes sense why, you know, 16 dragons aren't on the table because you would just lose. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, let's be honest, fantasy has, like, a wide berth between, like, where you can be on a setting of how low or high fantasy is uh, and... Conquest Strikes a really cool, like, low to mid-fantasy vibe, depending on your faction, uh, and the rules kind of support all of that working. Uh, and also, it was very bloody, but without being stompy, if that makes sense. Like, when I got into one of his units with the initiative, I hurt them pretty badly, like, quite badly. But I didn't just, like, touch them and they exploded. And vice versa, he got into me, he hurt me very badly, but I didn't just explode. Uh, so it was a great way for a game to feel bloody, but not feel like speed tag, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I don't know exactly how they're like shooting that line, but it did for me at least. And that felt great. Um, and overall, like we got done with our learner game. It came down to the final roll of the final turn. It was as close as close could be, but in the end, the Jotun took it. It was a, a Jotnar versus a unit of his, uh, like their Greek spearmen and a general in there of... Flakite, Flakitite, uh, and like a Minotaur all in one unit and then a giant going toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. And they hurt me real bad, but they didn't hurt me bad enough to kill him. And whoo, he was mad. Uh, and he pointed to right field and the Babe Ruth slammed them into the stratosphere. It was awesome. Um, hell of a game. Had a great time. I want to play more. Badly. 
Uh, so much so that I'm even going to expand my little starter box into closer to uh, an army. Who? Uh-huh. And I would like to talk about it on the show if we can get some reps in. Yeah. You, we're Listeners, we're going to play a bunch, and then we're going to have an episode about our experiences playing Conquest. And <sighs> then we'll see what happens from there. Uh, honestly, I would like to do lore videos for Conquest. A lot. Yes. A lot, lot. I think that good. lore is so good. Uh, and I just, I want to share it with more people. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I've also been doing a lot of hobbying on the back end. Obviously I prepped a lot of orcs for our get together. I got almost, uh, all well, the arc, the orc army is now almost entirely painted, but I didn't do all of that in this one session. I had some of it done previously, but, uh, did an incredible amount of painting to finish up what I was working on, uh, pre get together. Uh, and get all of that ready and put together and almost all of it painted before the weekend, which felt really good. Uh, and then after the weekend, we started looking forward to our next event, which is going to be Age of Sigmar, to give 40k a little bit of time to adjust. Um, and I'm working on a... Uh, God, this is where, uh, like John, I could have picked one of my factions that are almost entirely painted and would be very sensible and easy to finish before the weekend and that I know and am comfortable with. That's very know. characteristic of you. I should, I should, I should, uh, or I'm going to pick a whole new ass faction that I have not played once and have no models for no paint scheme. And I'm going to try to run that. Yeah. But like it provides you the serotonin. It does. And also it's a personal growth thing. It's a longer conversation maybe for another time, but essentially, uh, I do some struggling mental health wise. Uh, sometimes Are we going to monetize our trauma? <laughs> Hell we don't yeah. Anything. <laughs> I'll pay you a dollar. I don't give a fuck. Um, That's yeah, a single F I might get this whole episode. <laughs> I sometimes struggle uh, with playing certain factions. Uh, well, I struggle a lot of the time to like building lists and stuff because we play in a casual environment. I want to make sure that I'm being like real cool. Uh, and that makes me sometimes like just honestly scared to like bring some lists or some armies to like casual settings. Uh, and I was always into Lumineth because they're very cool. The new fluff is awesome. And I can bring a giant freaking cow mountain, which is so cool. Like we're doing World of Warcraft shaman stuff to like get the elements and spirits of the world to assist us. Like how sick is that? And I get to do it with good battle tactics. That sounds awesome. Uh, but the, the idea of bringing that to my casual group, especially when they released really powerful, just scared the hell out of me. So I just never did it. Uh, and now I'm in therapy trying to push my own bullshit. So here we are testing out some Lumineth paint schemes and models to 3d print. Look at that. We'll see Look how that. that goes. I'm a suplex you. <laughs> you will try. You yeah, try. I'm gonna keep trying. I've been trying for years. I'm gonna keep trying. We're gonna, this is gonna be a nonstop go around this like roundabout or whatever the hell it is. That's the fun. Um, so yeah, yeah, I am. I found a bunch of 3D prints that I like, and uh, I actually just today, before like literally before we started to record, uh, just finished up my first unit of spearmen. Just gotta do some basing mm -hmm. on them to see how they finally look to you know test out a scheme and see it on a full unit. Uh, and it went decently well, so maybe more coming soon. Maps, or maybe I'm just gonna paint conquest forever. No, who knows? We we both know. We both know the answer to that. I mean, I think, yeah, 
But what I don't know is if I'll be painting a lot of 40k. Let's talk about maybe why. All right, John. 40k Battles Data Slate. It's hot take time. This is where we hot take time. put out our top five list of best units in statistical analysis. So uh, from the top, before we explain like what the data balance data slate should be, we should talk about like what this was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best thing that happened was the boost to Death Guard. Uh, took a faction that was basically, uh, I wouldn't say unplayable, but was like a chore to play. It was rough. It wasn't fun. Yeah. Very rough. I think if you were a dark Death Guard player, you know what I'm talking about. And they didn't give you the thing that every Death Guard player said they wanted, but they gave you something. Uh, they, gave, they gave you a bunch of new mechanics that are actually super cool and super fun to play around that are very different and unique. And I think that's a good call. Oh. And I argue that it's better than this straight up just defensive buff. Huge win. That, Colossal win yeah. for Death Guard. Yeah. Way better than just the five up feel no pain across your army. Like, I know that that's what a bunch of people wanted, but I don't think that it's a good design space. That's first hot take number one. Death Guard changes were pretty good. Um, hot take number two. There was a bunch of points changes that didn't fundamentally change most of the things with the game. Uh, and if anything, it had a more negative impact on those in casual setting. Uh, best way that I can put it is that if you play casually, there's a lot of factions that were struggling before that instead of giving them the Death Guard treatment, they just gave them less points. I'm looking at Botan, looking at Tau, and like... It doesn't feel good if you're a casual player and you've been playing a 2,000-point army for like six months to then go, oh, I need to buy 500 points more of models because of a points update that might change in three months. Like, that's not great um, because, like, Tau is a faction that's going to get an update in the spring. Um, Necrons, Admech, those are all updates that are coming soon. Um, we, we have a timeline, and one of the benefits of having a timeline of we know what's coming is that we can sort of look at GW and go, hey, like, what? Why couldn't you just give us a little bit of that now? Um, and then the third hot take was that it did improve the ability to play things like Custodes or Gene Sealer Colts or Eldar in your local play- friend group without completely dominating the field. I think it gave them enough nerfs, maybe not with Eldar. We'll talk about that one later. Um to make like custodies more playable in a friendly environment, same thing with the other cult. Um, between the points changes and the rules changes, it's pretty good. Um, with all of that out of the way, I think that the biggest disappointment with the balanced data slate is the lack of options. Um, because I think that's the thing that this needs to be the most. Uh, they've created a game this edition that. And heavily incentivizes you to play a faction that has the most options. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use Eldar as an example. The reason why Eldar is still a really good book is not because Wraith Knights were overpowered. Or the Wave, uh, not Wave Serpents, Fire Prisms were overpowered. It's because they have a ton of really good options in that book layered on a really good skeleton rule that just enables your options that are subpar to be better and your good options to be even better. Um... It just doesn't compare to stuff like Tau that doesn't turn on until turn three. Or orcs who only play one way. That's punch. Or even like Imperial Guard, whose rule is lethal hits if I stand still in a game that demands you move constantly. In a faction that demands you move forward early and often or you will just lose no matter how much of your opponent's army you shoot off the table. 
There are fundamental issues not touched. Yes. And those issues, right, are getting solved in other codexes, like Tyranids. Mm -hmm. And if this is supposed to be a balanced data slate, and you're going to release a codex, Tyranids, that is going to drastically change the way everyone's going to play the game in casual settings and competitive settings, because there's one faction that now has six detachments to choose from instead of one or two. Uh, that means that faction is doing better than everyone. Even if their win rate isn't super high in a casual setting, they will be able to respond to their local meta more easily than anyone else. And I'm not saying that every faction needed to get like six attachments right now and balance data slate. But I definitely think for some of the factions that just didn't. If you know your like you know your release schedule, you know what factions are going to be coming out in the next six months. Give some people ones, some people not. Like, if you didn't give it, a, like, Admech or Necrons one, because they're getting stuff in the winter, okay, sure. But we know Sisters isn't getting an update for, like, at least six or seven months. Probably longer. Like, yeah. some of these factions are just not going to get another option. And if you can tell from, like, your Meta Watch thing that they're performing super low, part of your balanced data sheet should be giving them options and addressing the concerns that the sheets have, not just reducing and increasing points. Like that lever of balance isn't good enough. Yeah. And I like, I think it's one thing for people to be like, what is the competitive win rate of the faction? And that is the end all be all of how good a faction is, but they're wrong. Like I, I firmly think they're incorrect. Um, that is a way that if you are a solely competitive player that you may look at it, sure. Uh, but if you are the majority of players, you probably look at it through a much broader lens and a lot of different mm -hmm. ways other than just power. You know, how cool are your models? How cool are the unit options you have? How fun is it to play? How fun is it to build? Uh, how many... How many ways can I build an army that doesn't require me to be, bring three of the same thing? Over and over. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what's the depth of your build variety? Like, a lot of these things are what, in part, different, you know, different percentages for different people, depending on your leans and your biases and your preferences. Um, but there's a whole lot that makes a faction compelling or good, so to speak, and be reductive. Um, and I think... Uh, competitive win rates ignores a lot of the nuance there. A lot of it. Like, to, yeah. to make these data slates better, truly what I think would help them more is to take some of these factions that aren't going to have any other detachment options for like a year or more and give them one. Even just one. Okay, would help so... immensely. Especially some whose current only option is Either, you know, let's say competitively non-viable or worse, in my opinion, boring, <laughs> non-compelling, uh, like they would help a lot to make them feel fun and compelling to try to play even at your local shop night. Yes. And uh, like, I don't want to dig too deep into all of this, but I'm going to briefly cover a bunch of things real quick. Oh Lord! They're Here we charging go. sixty. They're Strap charging sixty dollars for a codex, right? 
Yeah, we've that got, is paid rules with six attachments. We got confirmed right? there that you have to buy the codex in addition to subscription. Yeah. Yeah, right. And you have a subscription to get into the app. Some of the only free things are these data slates. You're telling me you can't put a little bit more effort into it. For people who are going to have to wait a while for new stuff. Like, I'm a World Leaders player. I waited years to get a codex that lasted a couple of months that I couldn't even like consciously invest in because we also, our group wasn't playing 9th edition because at that point it was like a mess. To then now, I am taking them off the shelf to play them because of the data slate, because of the points decreases making them a little bit more viable so I can like kind of push myself into doing it. But I still want more options. I still only have half an army book because you only released half the models for it and took away all the other models, didn't bother leaving them in there as options, in one detachment. Like, I know it's corn, and really, we just fight stuff really good, but, like, there's multiple ways to fight stuff really good. Mm -hmm. I would like multiple flavors to fight stuff real good. Um... And I think that's kind of echoed through a lot of people. Uh, it gets echoed a lot on the internet because people see the competitive stats and they're like, oh, wow, competitive stats, it's a shit fire. And this isn't a like, oh, wow, GW sucks video. This is a, you built the system to have a better like lever pull balance and you chose not to use it. Like you have the system in place to do it. Why don't you just do it? Like, yeah, it's, I don't know. We've seen this before. And, uh, for example, I, we play Age of Sigmar also. Um, and in second edition, there's a faction called Beast of Chaos. Uh, they are, you know, goat men, like animal people, big monsters, these like horrors of the forest that fight for, uh, for chaos. Uh, and they had a book that was really, really aging at the time and had some issues. Uh, and, the war scrolls themselves were just not very compelling or strong or good. Uh, and everyone knew that they were not worth the points that they, you had to pay to like bring these units. Uh, and instead of taking the war scrolls and tuning them up a little, they decided instead we are just going to fix them through points. So they took the points and slashed them across the board. Just hacked away at them precipitously. And then, overnight, armies of Beasts of Chaos started hitting the table that were winning, but only because they brought hundreds of minis of trash. Trash. Terrible, terrible bodies. They don't hit well. They don't tank well. They don't move well. Like, they don't have special abilities. <laughs> Just that they're so ungodly cheap. That I'll just and that wasn't the you. intention. Like it was like like if you ex you expect that from a guard army, you don't expect that from like beastmen. Um, and like the fallout from that was when they eventually did get their new book, everything got like a 40-45% point increase. A lot. And then like people are sitting on 3000 4000 point armies of beast of chaos going, "What am I going to do with all these models?" And like it's really hard to look at somebody and be like, "Well, you should have known better." Like the rules were there, and if you're a new person, you don't know better. You just buy four, start collecting boxes, and go. Yeah, you don't have the the like historical understanding, um, which which I think is the the real tragedy here is like 
ninth, like not ninth edition, but eighth edition, when the indexes first came out, it got a ton of people back into the game. I think with tenth edition, we're getting a ton of new people back into the game. And if you're a newer person and you're looking at all these points drops and you're like, oh, I got to go spend $300 right now to make my army playable. Like, that sucks. Like, how are you supposed to, like, like, what happens when, like, how do you respond to that, right? Like, my option, if you're listening to that and that's making you freak out, right, what I suggest for you is to go out and buy models you think are just fun, that you will want to use regardless of what their points values are or what the rules are. Go get stuff that you will future-proof your army because then it's options later on. Don't just go out and buy, like, 60 breachers and six devilfish and go, I'm going to play the, the devilfish list. It you won't will probably never do that again. It like, won't last. Yeah, just take this as an opportunity to go get stuff that you didn't have before and just have fun with it. Like, win or lose. Have a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this is going to be a really unfortunate situation for people who don't know. So, like, first and foremost, mm-hmm. we want to warn you. Maybe hold up a minute before you go spending a bunch of money to fill in these really, really cheap points costs that will not stick. If you got a 3D printer, like, all for it. Like, 3D yeah, printer, then, go I mean, burn, have at it. Now, like... It's so much cheaper. I ain't going to tell you nothing about your business. <laughs> but if you're buying GW Plastic, like, don't go, re, like, refinancing your fucking mortgage so that you can play Tau or Votan. Poor Votan players. Like, I am going to take a second to complain about Votan players, and I'm not even a Votan player. Just my beautiful friend here really desperately wants to play dwarves and so i'm going to defend him because he didn't want pickles on his fucking sandwich and what he wants (laughs) is he wants to play space dwarves but they have a total of i think five units and now all of them are about are cheaper than space marines by such a margin that you'd bring like three units of them per squad of space marines so they're almost a guard army with like five models that you can choose from and, like, at no point are you ever going to use that many of those models again once the rest of the range comes out. So we just have to sit and wait. And, like, <laughs> one day we're going to recreate, like, Rock and Stone forever. And it's going to be, like, Tyranids versus Votan versus Genius Dealer Cult forever. But, like, we have to wait so long and we don't know when that is. And they could have just made that less the case by releasing a cool fucking detachment for them that didn't require more models or even maybe points changes, but just gave options. Yeah, yeah. Instead, they went, "Hey, that like sub faction rule that's kind of not doing much for you. You get more of that, hmm? and here's some points cuts. Now you're a horde army. Okay, cool, 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 cool. And like again, if this happens for Tau, it's less painful for Tau because Tau are getting a book sometime next spring. Hmm? So be it. It's not a super long time to wait. It's really unfortunate if that's your only army, but you know, it's at least it's not super far." Um, but if you're a and like I, player, I will say like mm. some of the Tau stuff was just overcosted. Like some of it got too too much of a decrease. Like the breachers and crisis, like the strike teams, I think got too much of a decrease, and now they're too hoardy. Piranhas like, also probably too cheap. Yeah, but like things like crisis suits and broadsides and like some of the other like suits, them going down just means they're more playable, and I think that's good. Like there are like some nuance there with each of these like points drops where some of them are like, like pretty valid and like, okay. Um, but there's just a couple that are standout. And like, unfortunately when it's a faction, that's already under the microscope. It's just going to be worse. Yeah. Like, um, and I think like no one's talking about what a balanced data slate should be, but I felt like this is a good chance to do so. Here we are at our first one. 
And it mm-hmm. looks like what we're going to be largely is it's going to be a bunch of point slashes, flood the field. This is Horde Edition. More shit on the board. And also, I don't know, we might do minor changes for some factions, uh, like Votan. It's probably a lot of it. Uh, but I think the Death Guard, though, gives me a little ray of hope. Because mm-hmm. that Death Guard rule is awesome. And the new it's, Tyranid Codex, mm. the new Tyranid Codex, full of flavor, very good. Like all of the things that are super cool, we're probably going to do a review about it at some point. Who knows? If you want that, tell us. Um, but it is genuinely interesting because of the options and because of the way that the synergies now work together with that range. It changes the book in a way that is appealing both casually and competitively. You can tell pretty easily. I'm. We haven't seen the Space Marine stuff yet. Pretty sure Space Marine is going to be very similar to that. But for factions like Dark Eldar, for Votan, for some of these people that are just, they're waiting. They're waiting to play their army. It sucks. Uh, like, for those that are going to wait a long time, all I'm saying is if in the next balance update to bring them up to par with options, 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 that's the, that's the key word here is options mm-hmm. are key. Uh, maybe, you know. Maybe we should be asking instead for extra detachment. Even mm-hmm. one extra detachment for those factions can do wonders. Um, especially if uh, some of those current detachments are really restrictive. Dark Eldar, great example. It's currently very restrictive, doesn't do a whole lot for their army. It doesn't seem very compelling for them. Another option would open a lot of doors. Uh, orcs are doing okay competitively because they're good at punching, but like Right now, I've played that orc list all weekend. I did really well. My orcs are undefeated in 10th, so it's not a power issue. The sub-faction rule is good from a competitive mindset. Hell yeah, you win a lot. But after the weekend, everyone else is kind of tooling with their list. Like, yeah, I got a bunch of options. I've got all these list changes. Joe, what are you changing? And the answer is not a lot, because I don't really have options. The subfaction rule for orcs is you get exploding sixes in melee. Good rule, strong rule, but it only applies to your punchy units in a index that has a lot of non-punchy units, which takes a lot of the index and just turns it off. You just mm-hmm. lock it away. There's no way to go. Oh, yep. I want to try shooty orcs. You only got one. Uh, and that's and a rough like, place to be in terms of someone trying to, like, make list iterations. And, like, I still don't understand why they didn't just make a generalist attachment for each each one starting out with index. Yeah, the in, the index probably would have been a little bit more boring starting off, but I think they just would have been overall more balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think that really, like, the addition's great. Like, the bones of it are very good and very fun and very playable, but, like... I can in good consciousness be like, hey, this balanced day slate was amazing because I get to bring an extra two tanks with my Imperial Guard. Like, did it de-incentivize me to take artillery? Yeah. That's fun Mm -hmm. for everyone else. Uh, Looking at you, Joe. (laughs) But like... I won, but at what cost? (laughs) Yeah. uh, But like, I still have some fundamental core problems with the faction. I can play it. Like, it's fine. But, like, I'm a lucky one, right? I'm not a Votan player. 
I'm not a Dark Eldar player. We sell and like, them. and there's arguments that like, oh well, they're still winning top t- on top tables. Yeah, sure. Like if you're in the top five percent of OTAN players, top five percent of Dark Eldar players, you probably like kick ass and like love like industrial music and or like power sludge music or whatever it is that space dwarves listen to. But like, if you're just a dude who thinks it's neat, like you might be struggling. Like, there's Dark Eldar in a closet in my apartment. I could pull out right now and I could fight against Joe's Eldar, and we could have this like super cool two wolves inside of me joking match and I would just get stomped and it has nothing to do with how good Joe is at the game yeah it, we could switch places and I would probably immediately beat him just from data sheets alone and that's a problem it's an issue it's an issue and, but if you added another detachment option maybe you could build it in a new weird way to try to edge shoot me for sure but you just can't right now you don't mm-hmm. have that option yeah because half this game like it or not is not playing it it's list building Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, and even competitive players will say that. List mm-hmm. building matters. Now, granted, if you're absolutely cracked at playing, you can make a bad list do way more than it probably should on paper, but there's a limit to it. Mm-hmm. And more options just give you more way to do the list building stuff. Yeah. Um, but, like we said, there was some glimmers of hope in there. Like that Death Guard thing brings a lot of hope. More the of that, fact please. That Way more of that. And even their nerfs, like normally their nerfs are pretty heavy handed. Like normally their nerfs are like, we're going to take something that was like really good and we're going to pound it into the dirt. These nerfs are a little bit more measured, which I think is just a healthier approach to balance. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's lots of positive from the data slate. That's, this is not just a, they did everything terrible video. Like this is a, y'all could do some different shit. Like we could make some lateral changes. That'd be cool. What if fundamentally we just asked for a different thing? Like maybe, maybe we could just do this better. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing we really want to like end with is rather than looking at this only from the perspective of win rates and analytics and statistics on hit rates and power and all that stuff. Uh, just consider how good options are for competitive people and casual folks. And uh, maybe we, when we get the chance to give those feedbacks to Games Workshop that come out somewhere here in the next few months, mm. we should ask specifically for more detachment options in these updates as opposed to just point slashes. I'm not saying it's going to do anything. I mean, they might just ignore them. But mm-hmm. I think a, maybe a concerted effort of people to talk about it might get something. Might get something. You're so hoping. And if not, we could all just play Conquest together. Because I'm like having a sure. great time. Sure. And we'll come back to 10th uh, edition. We can't stay away from 40k. It's true. Uh, it's just, I don't want to have the feeling of like, oh yeah, Tith is going to be cool. I'll see you in a year and a half. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, if, I think we'll, we'll probably cycle back to this conversation <clears throat> once we're done with our next little stint of like, we've got a bunch of stuff going on, so we're probably not going to be playing a ton of 10th for the next couple of like, probably about a month. It's spooky time, so we got, we got a lot of spooky stuff to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, there's not a lot of spooky shit in 40K. In 40K? No, no, no. Next month or two no. is probably going to be fantasy time and like smaller game. Um, And so like, we're going to play around with a bunch of that stuff and we will be coming back to 10th edition before like the spring. Like, we're probably going to play some in the winter, and we'll probably readdress it once some of those new codexes come out. We'll probably go through it, 
review some of it. Um, I'm going to try to play a game against Tyranid soon, so I can definitely talk about that. Uh, and like next up is Necrons and AdMech, and I think both of those things will be fun to talk about. I think that depending on how Tyranid, Space Marines, AdMech, and Necrons look codex-wise, we'll probably get a good solid idea of where we think codexes are going to be going next year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to all hope collectively that it isn't power creep to high heaven. Fingers crossed. I crossed yeah. my fingers so hard. Uh, but I'm going to keep making my spooky ghoul people because it's spooky time. I, I'm painting cow people. Like, cow people ain't spooky. That's the one problem. But I wanted to yeah, play Soul like, Grave Lords because I got some Soul Black Grave Lords. And I was like, oh, yeah, Soul Black Grave Lords. What are they looking like? I'm like, oh, fuck, it's Eldar, but goth. Like, <laughs> no, don't worry. You can you can play that against uh, Slanesh. Heat Knights. I, that's that's also an option for you to play against. I mean, that's probably a, the fairest matchup. Yep. That's a whole other thing. Uh, so yeah, I'll probably... I'll paint cow people even though they aren't spooky. Don't worry. I'm making a haunted house. And you can come inside me. Fucking <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> uh... I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Let John do the outro today, I said. God, it's episode 75 again. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Well, this is normally where I would say that we're going to be working on stuff behind the scenes, but I don't know if my brain can mentally handle it. Spooky season is starting too early on this show. Uh... But we're going to be doing our best to keep the lore videos coming and me trying to develop an HR department uh, and see if we can't keep the videos flowing and not just talk about Conquest and John's new erotic haunted house venture. Yeah, yeah. And somehow I always... I don't... I'm not surprised that that's your venture. I'm just surprised by how much I'm not surprised. I'll put it that way. Yeah, Um, just... uh, Come on down, Elf Daddy. We got the <laughs> carnival rides or whatever. <laughs> God. Now that it's been <laughs> all of our opinions, both hot and Kentucky Fried. We'll see y'all in the next episode.